Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Jason Moon, host of Bear Brook, and this is OPP. God bless everybody and welcome to another episode of OPP. Other people's podcast highlights America's top podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Jason Moon, host of Bear Brook, a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. Bear Brook is a podcast about a decade-long cold case, its journey which led to a serial killer, and it changed how murders would be investigated forever. I got to sit down with Jason, and we chatted about his upbringing in Alabama, how he got into podcasting, and of course, we get into his dope show, Bear Brook. So allow me to introduce you to Jason Moon. Jason, man, how you doing today? I am good. How are you? Dude, I can't complain. I'm, I'm, I'm here in Brooklyn, here at the crib. I'm talking to Jason Moon right now, so I have no complaints. That's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that talking to me is, um, is a good addition to your day. I'm here in Concord, New Hampshire. I wish I could say that was as exciting as Brooklyn, but, you know, it has its own charms. No, no. You know what? I've never been, speaking, we were just talking about states that I've been to. I've never really done a lot of, like, the New England states besides Massachusetts, but I heard that New Hampshire is just a beautiful state. That is true. It's got some. It's got some pretty darn good hiking. I'll I'll say that much. And if you're into skiing, which I'm not, I grew up in Alabama, so I uh, I have a natural disadvantage there. But um, apparently, it's got some pretty good skiing too. Wait, you know what? Another state that I've never been to is Alabama. What's the vibe like? What was it growing up there? What was it like? Well, uh, it was different from New Hampshire. <laughs> I say that much. Um, I grew up in a really rural part of the state, um, about an hour and a half north of Birmingham. And um, it was, um, you know, probably like what you might imagine. Very, very rural, very conservative, very Christian. And um, and then I, when I got out of high school, I left to go to a, a very non-traditional liberal arts college in Vermont. Um, and... The culture shock was pretty um, was pretty severe, um, but that was kind of my first extended experience of of culture outside of Alabama, um, and it was always are, you know weird going back and forth ever since. Are are, are you Roll Tide or War Eagle? Roll Tide, Roll Tide. Thank there you we go. Asking. Okay, okay. And look, anytime you meet someone from Alabama, yeah. I gotta ask. <laughs> it's true. Everyone has an answer. Yeah. What, what, what college did you go to in, in Vermont, and what drove that decision to, to go to school out of state? Uh, it was a, it's a tiny little college called Bennington College. Um, there's only like 650 students or so at a time. Um, and partially it was, was that I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out of the state um, just to kind of experience something new, which I guess a lot of people you know leaving high school feel that way. Um, but I was also really drawn to the kind of odd um 
the way the school is set up where there there were no majors and you sort of self-design your own course of study and I was getting to a point where I was pretty sure that I wanted to do this where I wanted to do you know audio documentaries and, and work in public radio and it wasn't easy to see um, you know what the path to doing that looked like in higher education at like you know say the University of Alabama or another state school and so I figured well if I can go to this school where they can kind of let me make it up I could sort of design a course of study that that um, you know prepared me to do audio storytelling and and that's what I ended up doing and um, you know I guess you could say it worked now, for kids growing up today, uh, you know, we're living in the the prime of the podcast movement and audio storytelling. But how did you get inspired to get into that world uh, growing up way back in, in Alabama and want to make that as a career choice? Yeah, that uh, that's a good point, um, because it wasn't it wasn't always like it is today. And I can remember like a very early version of iTunes, like discovering the podcast tab and not knowing what that meant. Um, like, you know, what is a, what is a podcast? I had no idea. And then I, I think I just, just by sort of trying to figure that out and clicking around through iTunes discovered that, um, that all of the NPR shows that I was just beginning to like, so this is probably like sometime in high school, early high school for me, I was starting to realize that I liked listening to public radio. And then I saw that, oh, like, wait, wait, don't tell me. There's a podcast version of that. And so, you know, that was my sort of first introduction to podcasts back when when all they were in a lot of cases was just, you know, the the repackaged form of what was going out on the radio broadcast. Um, and then uh, a little bit later, I discovered... Um, that you know you could go and listen to all the back catalog of of this american life and that was really um i mean it's hard to i'm sure a lot of people in radio feel this way but it's hard to overstate you know how inspirational discovering that show was and and hearing you know stories like i'd never heard before um that were so different than any other you know any other kind of medium, whether it was a TV show or a movie or whatever. Um, but just, just kind of learning that those stories were, could be told in this way, um, was like, Oh, I really, I want to do this. And so that was kind of the beginning of, um, I guess my, my current status as a serial podcast listener, you know, I went back and listened to, if you ever want to get inspired, go back to the Steve jobs, keynote speech i believe in 2007 when he introduced the first iphone hmm. and he talks about he's like and and for your podcast and you realize like wow like this is the first time when he's giving this keynote that we're even hearing the word podcast <laughs> or even that like it's named after the iphone like the ipod right podcast um but just who to have the foresight to know that this medium will grow to be so large yeah yeah i remember when serial was was in the midst of releasing its episodes of the first season. And um, it was it was really odd because it was this moment where I felt like suddenly everyone was talking about podcasts and it used to be like this sort of, you know, weird niche thing that I was 
interested in, you know, like, here's just like my way of listening to the radio, you know, just sort of doing it on demand. And it was as simple as that. But I remember like being in a coffee shop, you know, uh, during the first season of Serial, and it felt like every table I could like overhear snippets of their conversation. They're all talking about what was happening in Serial. And it was like this huge like cultural moment for podcasts. Um, and I was like, oh, this is no longer, you know, just um, my weird little way of listening to to This American Life episodes. Like this is like, you know, normal people, quote unquote, are are talking about these and listening to these and really, really connecting with them. Uh, once you once you left uh, school in Vermont at Bennington, um, how did you you know make that jump and the introduction into public radio? Well, I did a bunch of internships. Um, so part of um, part of my schooling at Bennington was was that there was a a winter semester where we were all um, required to get internships or to do volunteer work in the area where, where we were studying, and so. I did um, four, you know, we did one each year while we were in school, and I did all four of mine in public radio or at, at podcasts. So I, I interned at my local public radio station down in Alabama, WBHM, based in Birmingham. I worked um, for a podcast, now defunct, sadly, called Dial a Stranger um, out of Austin, Texas. Um, I worked was very lucky to to be able to intern with the folks at Transom out on uh, Woods Hole on Cape Cod, um, and then so I had a, all these internships before I graduated, which was pretty helpful. And then right after I graduated, I got um, another internship at uh, StoryCorps in Brooklyn in uh, in Fort Greene. What did you learn from those internships about storytelling and, and making podcasts and making stories? Uh, that helped you to where you are today? Oh, man, I learned a ton. Um, I mean, StoryCorps was a really great experience because the way that, um, if, for people who aren't familiar, StoryCorps is like a, a hybrid between an oral history project and a, and a radio show. And so my job as an intern was to take these 40 to 60 minute interviews and to cut them down to around three minutes. And that is really hard, <laughs> and um, and it, it. But it was really good practice at being um, sort of ruthless as a as a storyteller in the sense of like really honing in on just the essential details that really matter. So I mean, when you have to get down to just two or three minutes, you really have to like think hard about like every second and every word of you know that you're including in the tape and. Uh, so doing that over and over again was was good practice in in terms of learning how to let go of the things you're, you get really attached to. You know, you listen to the interview the first time and you're really excited about this one part of the story, but then you realize that you just can't make that work and keep it to just three minutes. So you have to, you know, you have to learn exercise that muscle about growing attached to things and then letting them go. And that can be, that can be hard. Uh, Jason, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we're going to get to your podcast, Bear Brook. Sounds good. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So Jason, man, uh, for, for the listeners listening to this podcast, give me kind of like the elevator pitch uh, of the story of Bear Brook. Yeah, right. So Bear Brook is a story about a cold case in New Hampshire that became sort of the test case for the use of genetic genealogy. It was the first case where genetic genealogy was used to identify victims and to identify a murderer. And it was the precursor to um, the use of genetic genealogy in the Golden State Killer case, which is what sort of has made that technique um, famous. Um, but the really unusual thing about the Bear Brook case was that even though it had led to all of these breakthroughs in forensic science, the, the victims at the heart of the case were still unidentified. So it was this kind of like odd um, contradiction where like these new techniques were like coming out of this case, but they weren't, you know, they weren't um, able to solve the case. Um, that was until um, earlier this year when when there was a really big break in the case um, that uh, we covered in a, uh, a sort of uh, update episode um, in June. Uh, how many episodes are part of the series? The first um, original series was six episodes, and then there were a couple of smaller um, updates, and then we did a, a seventh full episode when there was this big break in the case, um, and, and uh, we got some some really big answers to some of the questions we had. So I'd say seven full episodes and a couple of other extras. Like I'm a creative, you're a creative, and I love the process of having something come from, you know, inside of my mind, uh, manifesting it in my mind, dreaming about it. Then actually I love the process of putting it, you know, into action and, and making things. Um, but then I love the process of putting it out uh, but you're always a little bit nervous, I feel, as a creative to see, you know, is this going to be accepted? Do people find this important? What did it feel like to see it? This podcast was so well received and, you know, you know, it, it charted on, you know, on Apple Podcasts in the top 100. How, how does that feeling feel? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it was really surprising. Um, I, to be honest, I, I kind of thought that... Um, it wouldn't get much attention. It, it wouldn't get that many listeners. And I was kind of, you know, I guess a little self-conscious about the whole project because on the one hand you had such, um, I felt like it would inevitably be in the shadow of, of just this, these monumental pieces of, of reporting of, you know, serial and then in the dark um, sort of like set the bar for like what, what these kind of investigative, true crime-ish, um, criminal justice podcasts could sound like and how many people they could reach. And so, and I and I knew that there was, you know, a lot of, you know, frankly, bad podcasts out there that sort of tried to imitate those, but, but you know, didn't come close. And so I guess I was, frankly, just kind of concerned that I would, it would sound more like, you know, one of those, that, that it was like, oh, here's another, like, now every public radio reporter wants to do a serial, you know, and that it would just pale so much in comparison. And so, you know, I became sort of satisfied with what it was in and of itself. But 
in terms of like how many people were going to listen to it, um, you know, I never thought that, I mean, I think now we're up to over 7 million downloads and I, you know, that I was never, never um, on my radar that that kind of audience would ever be possible. What do you want the listener to walk away from learning uh, about the story? That's a good question. Um, I guess um, I guess I'd say two things. One is is this issue about genetic privacy and the way that genetic genealogy and these and these commercial DNA testing um, kits and companies um, how that's being used in sort of new and novel ways that people maybe weren't um, signing up for when they first put their DNA online and all the you know the sort of interesting questions that raises as a sort of broader societal debate that we're going to have to have about, you know, how much privacy are we willing to give up to catch serial killers with our DNA? You know, I think that's a sort of important kind of public policy debate. And I, and I hope that Bearbrook can kind of educate people and kind of gear them up with the tools and understanding that they need to come to an informed opinion about that. So that's, I think that's one thing that I hope Bearbrook does. The other thing that I sort of take from it is like, and I didn't really realize this until after we'd finished it, but I think it's a story about um, families and the ways that um, relationships in families can break down and how that can lead to some of these, some of the horrible things that, that happened in this case. I mean, one of the sort of through lines in the Bearbrook case and and it's and there's like you know a half dozen other cases that are connected to it but they often involve um people who went missing but were never reported missing and um i you know when i first started reporting on it i thought like how does that happen like if i don't see like you know someone for like oh a couple days you know i would be like calling the police or some you know what i mean but I, I was yeah. I was wrong. I think I, I reported on this and realized that it's actually a lot simpler than it sounds like for someone to sort of just drift apart from your other family members or your friends. And, you know, maybe you've had a, you know, maybe it, you've always had a, a tumultuous relationship with your parents, you know, that's pretty common. And then all of a sudden you have this new, this, you know, new boyfriend shows up and, and then they move away and the parents think, well, I guess she just was fed up with us and never wanted to hear from us again. And, and that, you know, that's what happened in, in many of these cases and what, you know, the, the women ended up murdered. And when I sort of wrapped my mind around that and realized like how easy that could happen and how sort of un, unremarkable that is in and of itself, it's not, it's not like this crazy thing that could never happen. You know, if you look at the, the Apple Hot 100 our most popular podcast, and you see a lot of big networks. I mean, you'll see Gimlet, or you'll see, you know, the LA Times and publications like the New York Times or Wondery. Uh, what has this podcast done to put New Hampshire Public Radio on the map? Yeah, so it, it's certainly um, kind of given us confidence that we can do this kind of thing. You know, that that we as like a small public radio station. You know, there's like less than ten reporters here. You know, that we can make a podcast that can, you know, can compete on a national level and that um you know it's exciting for us and and really most importantly it has convinced 
you know, the powers that be that we should invest in this kind of thing and, and do more of that. And so many smaller public radio stations are coming around to the idea that the only way that we can remain relevant is to do sure. this kind of work that's like, you know, story local stories that like only we can tell reported at a at a level and produced at a level that like people everywhere will want to listen to um because you know it used to be that public radio stations were the only way that people in that town could hear npr right like you had to tune into your local public radio station to get you know steve inskeep and and the rest from for morning edition but you know now with the internet and podcasts like you don't need us anymore to get morning edition or, you know, the daily from the New York times. Right. So like, what are we doing here? And I think probably the best answer is stuff like Bear Brook. You know, it's like, let's tell a story that we know because we live here and those other outlets don't. Um, that, so we tell a story that only we can tell and we do it as good or better as those big national outlets would do it. And I think that is sort of a, a recipe that we want to try to, um, hone in on and Bear Brook was like a sort of you know promising sign that perhaps we we can pull that off wow it's amazing it's amazing so uh Jason we're at a point in the show for every episode of OPP I asked the guest of today's show uh it's called it's the segment's called our podcasters picks and I'm going to ask you to give me three podcasts that you enjoy uh that we should be listening to uh and describe them to the audience okay I'm ready um, number one is right now is definitely ear hustle. Um, this, it, this podcast has like probably helped me like grow more as a person than any other. I know that sounds kind of hokey to say, but it's, it's an amazing journey to listen to this podcast. So it's made by inmates at inside San Quentin state prison in California. And it's just, it's a podcast that like the daily life of prisoners in San Quentin and um, it's it's really something because it, it forces you to reckon with people in prison as real, fully, you know, three dimensional people with with, you know, hopes and aspirations and flaws. But also you just relate so much to them as people in a way that I think is, you know, it's so easy for us to just like kind of forget about people who go to prison. Right out of sight out of mind but but um hearing about like their daily life and like how do you how do you eat in prison how do you do your laundry in prison um how do you you know date from prison like the, all the episodes are so good i just i couldn't recommend that one enough your hustle is is like top of my list right now um okay so that's number one um number two heavyweight uh this is from gimlet media uh it's hosted by jonathan goldstein and it's just um it's kind of a goofy wacky podcast where he he sort of um tries to solve problems in people's lives like they have like a relationship that like went south 10 years ago and then jonathan is going to come in and kind of like talk to both sides and and try to i don't know broker uh, uh a, a piece in that relationship but but really what makes it interesting is sort of Jonathan as a character, he sort of comes off as this sort of like bumbling detective um, figure, but that really masks the, like how smart the show is and how really great the writing is. I mean, the writing in that show was like really um, an inspiration in terms of 
my own writing in Bear Brook, and even though they're like totally different kinds of podcasts, he does some things in in heavyweight that um, were just like, wow, you can like say that much in 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 those few words. Like I gotta try that. Um, so that one, I that one I would definitely recommend. And then S Town, I can't. You know, I was like talking earlier about how influential um, it was to hear This American Life as a kid in high school, but hearing S Town as a as a radio professional, um, that one was like maybe as influential and in, in just in terms of showing that there is like a whole new way to think about um, an audio piece as like something that exists. It's like a musical album. I sort of think that's how I think about S Town. A great album is like always going to be a great album. Like S Town is always going to be an amazing listen. You know, it's it's like or it's like a novel. I guess is a, a better metaphor. But like you know, certain you know a lot of the work I do as a reporter, it, it often gets dated really quickly. You know, I'm reporting on the news, and like a year from now, no one's going to care about the story I'm working on. But S Town, I feel like it's it'll just always be this kind of perfectly contained gem of a, a work of art that is also a well-reported piece of, of storytelling. And so um, very, yeah, very uh, inspirational as well. Jason, before we wrap up this interview, why do you podcast? Oh, well, I, because it's, it really is the best medium to tell a lot of kinds of stories. I often think about like, if I documentary or or a written piece and I just feel like oh it would lose so much like there would be so it would be so much more shallow and I and it's hard to put your finger on what it is about you know audio storytelling but I just find it can be so much richer you know you get to add more stuff than print right you get you get the voices the real voices of people and their intonations and their character comes through their voice and you can score a piece with music and sound design so yeah that's i just think it's a great medium i think it's it's better at doing a lot of a lot of certain kinds of stories than any other medium with jason moon i can't thank you enough for taking the time to be in the opp and everyone go check out bear brook right now it's a really dope pod i had a good time listening to it and i can't thank you enough so much for for being a guest on on the show man well thank you so much for having me really appreciate it all right take care brother all right you too so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest Jason Moon be sure to check out his amazing podcast Bearbrook and I'll add the link to that in the description of this episode this episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake and are you a fan of OPP if so please leave us a five-star rating and a comment letting us know what your favorite podcasts are and who you think we should have on as a guest on the show lastly before we get out of here Check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I'll be sure to add the link to that in the description of this episode as well. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pa bless y'all. Till next time. Hey. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.